Buckle up, gentlemen. We are going into the desert where we are going to get ascetical in preparation for Lent. Stay tuned. everyone. Thanks so much for joining us to another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We've got an amazing priest, Father Innocent, with us today. Before we get there, we are your hosts, Sam Guzman and John Heinen, here at The Catholic Gentleman. Again, so grateful that you are with us. If this is your first time, please click subscribe, click that bell button so that you can get notified anytime we come out with a new episode. If you're listening to us on the podcast player of choice, uh, subscribe so you can get those notifications as well. And finally, Sam and I love to do this, but more importantly, we love to help the lives of men, and we love to uh, impart uh, what we can do and God's, um, you know, as God's grace, God's instruments uh, to men in this world, in a world that's really struggling to understand what authentic masculinity is. So if you have been inspired by the Catholic gentleman through the memes, through the blogs, through any of these shows, we greatly appreciate you heading over to patreon.com slash Catholic gentleman and discerning giving to us any amount, $5, $10 goes a long way for us to continue expanding this ministry. So again, like I was saying, we have Father Innocent Montgomery on the show today. He grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska as one of a triplet and his triplet brother is also a priest with him in the same order, the CFRs. He attended St. Gregory the Great Seminary for his undergrad in philosophy, and he entered the friars in 2007, spent many joyful years serving the homeless and drug addicts in St. Anthony's shelter there in the Bronx, and he made his final vows in 2012 and was ordained a priest in 2016. His master's thesis work in seminary was Christological Anthropology. He now serves as the postulant director there at the CFRs, uh, which is the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, if you don't know. He's uh, accompanying the young brothers in early formation as they learn how to pray, live in fraternity, and love and serve the poor. One of his greatest joys is to bless people in their identity as sons and daughters of the Father. Today, we're going to be addressing sons of the Father. So, yeah. Father Innocent, thanks so very much for joining us. How are you doing? Hey guys, it's so I'm so humbled to be with you guys. I said, yeah, such a gift. I'm ready to to dive in. It's awesome. Well, we're so glad you're with us, and uh, I'm so happy to hear that you're still living in your baptismal innocence. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is really, it is really a miracle. And um, I uh, we we heard the stats about you though, just kind of the facts, the fact uh, in your bio there. But let's let, you just hit a big milestone as a priest. Uh, just hmm. tell us a little bit about like your life and, and what really brings you joy and maybe what some struggles are, but you've been, you've been, you've been in the uh, CFRs for quite a while now. Yeah. And it's funny you bring up my name. It's, it's a thing, right? People have never met anybody who's named innocent before. Right. And I, and I wasn't the, born, uh, I wasn't born with that name, <laughs> um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. but yeah, exactly. Well, that's not, I mean, it's, it's funny. My name is father innocent. My, my triplet brother is father Angelus. So right. You guys know that means angel innocent. Yeah. And my mom was like, obviously no one consulted her before they gave us our <laughs> religious names. Um, but yeah, again, I, uh, I'm just coming out. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. I was telling in show prep, I'm just coming off of a 30 day retreat. And so I, I was, I, I'm joking that I have a lot of pent up spiritual energy. So if it just kind of comes out, um, be, just be, just be warned. Um, but I, I, um, I love being a friar. I love being a priest. 
And in 10 years into this, I, again, it's just the community is so wise that they gave us some space. They give us some space to kind of go away and be with the one that we love. Right. And so mm -hmm. 30 days with Jesus, the gift of Jesus and the blessed sacrament, the gift of, of silence, the gift of just, just going back to, to, to the beginning. Right. And so I, I, I was just, just, just kind of with the Lord, just being grateful for the journey. Right. I, again, you're not born a friar, right. I grew up in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I know you guys probably know, but it's a blessed place to grow up. It's a great diocese. Yeah. And uh, the gift of the priesthood was a real part of my journey. There was 12, at least 10 to 12 young Catholic priests at our, our high school. Mm -hmm. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I remember being a freshman in high school and I never really had had contact with the, with the gift of the priesthood. And I met these men who were just on fire and, and who you could tell were just prayerful and you could, they, they were just all in for the Lord and, and they were just giving their lives in such joy and human, like their humanity, right. They weren't weird. They were, th their lives were attractive and, and they had something. I was like, Whoa, there's something different about these men. Right. And they were just, they were just faithful priests. And I remember as a high school, a young high school kid, I, I think vocations are, are kind of caught. They're not yeah. necessarily like, you just don't like you, they just don't fall from the sky. Like I was, I, I was inspired, right. When young people see a holy married couple, there's like, man, like I want that when they see a priest or religious, like something happened to me when I, when I saw this and, and my, what started just happening in my heart was I started to desire to be fully alive and, and. I grew up Catholic. We went to mass on Sundays, but my parents, I mean, I, God bless them. I love them dearly, but they still think we're crazy. They never thought two of their kids would want to be priests or priests or even kind of even more crazy religious CFRs, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I, I, something happened in my heart when I was in high school and, and, and I, I remember one priest, father Brian Kane, he taught me how to pray, right? He, he taught me about Jesus, his presence in the blessed sacrament, the gift of that he's real and he's alive. He told me to make, start making visits to the chapel. And I was like, this is, I, I've never heard anything like this. And my brother's like, I just, I just remember kneeling there one day and, and asking for the grace to believe. And it was a time of struggle. And I, I, I was actually struggling with depression in high school. And I just felt alone and kind of at the end. And there's just like sadness in my heart. And I remember Father Cain telling me that, that in the chapel, like in the, in the chapel, Jesus is in the blessed sacrament. He's, he's there. And, and he's waiting for you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And uh, brothers, I just remember kneeling down there in front of Jesus. And I remember like the, the candle, the, the red candle and, and no, no voice came from the sky and, and, and it was, it wasn't flashy, but I remember the first time in my life feeling I wasn't alone. I remember Jesus in the blessed sacrament, Jesus, Jesus like broke into my life and that changed everything. Right. I, I began to visit the chapel more and people thought I was weird. Right. I was like the football player. I was in the plays. I was, people just didn't have a context for this. And, and I just remember spending more and more time with Jesus in the blessed sacrament, going to daily mass. And, and my brother and I kind of had this conversion at the same time, just growing in our faith. And so it was very, it was very natural for, for me to be open when some priests were like, you know, you know, my, my baptismal name was Scott. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not really like, not really inspiring. That's not like cool. saying it. No, no, Scott. exactly. Um, good, uh, good choice. But, changing. But I, yeah, exactly. It was where, yeah, that's worth changing. Um, so I just had these priests encourage me to be open to, to giving my life to God and to following Jesus. Right. Mm. And again, as my prayer developed, um, I went to diocesan seminary, which was an incredible experience, but it was in, in this time. And I guess this is the, the, the main kind of 
thrust of my religious call is, is I love the diocesan priesthood and all my best friends are diocesan priests and they're just holy men. But I had this, something happened when, it, when I, when I grew in relationship with Jesus and this, in, again, in this intimacy, I just felt that he was calling me to, to, to be consecrated. Like there was this deep desire to give up everything and come follow him. Mm. Right. And, and kind of this intensity, right. And I don't know if you guys picked this up yet, but I'm kind of an intense dude, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so there was something about just a religious call, like a being call, called to consecrated life. And in Nebraska, we really have no context of that. We have, mm-hmm. we have the Benedictine monks close by in Atchison, which are really solid, but I had no contact. Yeah. And so my brother and I decided that one summer we'd go spend some time with the missionaries of charity in the, in, in New York city. And we were just going to go and go on mission and, 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 and just kind of spend this summer in the, in the inner city and kind of see how the Lord used it. And I, I mean, I love the MCs, but I, but they're way out of my league. I say MCs yeah. put the CFRs to shame. <laughs> um, but the last day of our summer of our summer camp with the kids, uh, this, this crazy looking man in a long beard and a, and a, with a gray robe walked in. And I was just, again, just had that experience of being captivated by this man's witness. Yeah. He was in love with the Lord. Again, he was all in. He, he, you could tell he was a man of prayer he, his joy just like flowed out of him. You could tell that something was happening in his heart that he knew Jesus in a really personal, particular way. My brothers, I just remember being like, I don't know what that is up there. Like he looks weird, but, but there's something that captivated me by this consecrated man. Yeah. Right. And, and that started a journey of graduating minor seminary in 2007. And I had made visits to the CFRs and I was, I just kind of made the plunge, right? I was like, wow. Lord, if you're calling me to go all in, I'm just going to, the only way I can respond is just, okay, like, I'm going to try this. I'll, I'll give up everything I have from the, from the cornfields of Nebraska to, <laughs> to the concrete jungle of New York city. I'm just going to, I'm going to come follow you. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's an oversimplifying kind of oversimplifying, but from that, from that, yes, um, to, to move to New York city. I just have been on this incredible journey with the Lord of just growing in my, in my desire and my capacity to be, to be consecrated to him, mm. to, to give him everything, to receive everything from him to, to, again, the, the vows of poverty, chastity, obedience. Right. And, and then incredible gift of 2016 is that, you know, as, as consecrated men, yeah. the, our consecration is kind of the foundation of our lives. Right. And, and then the priesthood kind of is joined to this, this incredible, pretty incredible reality, right? So in, in uh, 2016, I became a priest, got ordained by Cardinal Dolan in New York City, and uh, just kind of just been living the dream ever since of being just consecrated to Jesus. Amen. I think that's so wonderful. And I uh, have to ask, who was the, who was the man um, with the long beard that you were inspired by? At the yeah, end? his name is Father, Father Luke Mary. Okay. Do you great. know Father Luke? I don't know. Yeah, he's Father friend, Luke, yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, he's amazing. He's a Steubenville grad. Uh, he actually yeah. is good friends. I know, you know, Father Pio, he's good friends with Father yeah. Pio. They, they oh, were great. kind of the generation before me, but Father Luke, Mary, Mary was the one. Yeah. That he, he inspired you. He looked at him. He said, Hey, he looks like a Jedi. And, uh, this is yeah, exactly like the, the whole thing, like the hood, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you do Jedi mind tricks. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's funny. I can't, but, uh, but you spoke of my twin brother, our triplet brother, Father Angelus. And even that's wild. I, I, I'm two minutes older in life. 
And okay. my actually my sister's older. We should say that she's the queen. She's amazing. <laughs> she is married, pregnant with number seven. Praise God. So the joke is that she is making up for all the ki- kids that her celibate brothers are not having. <laughs> um, and uh, but she's yeah, she's the queen. She's the holy one. And then you have the two brothers. But I'm I'm the middle. And then Father Angelus is two minutes behind me. But the funny thing is, I'm two minutes older, two years older in religious life, and two years older in priesthood. Yeah. So it's just the story of, of Father Angelus's life. Um, <laughs> but we do pretty funny things. We don't, I don't have like a Jedi mind trick, but we do very funny things. We're very, yeah. I mean, obviously we're twins. We look exactly alike. We talk exactly alike, but we live a We live in the same friary now, which is wild. Um, people get confused often. I bet. But um, when we were, when we lived in different friaries, I'm telling you, it's so funny. We call each other the exact same time. We like, um, it was just always these funny things. I'm like, Hey, I just, call, I tried to call you. I just tried to call you. It was busy. Like, yeah, it's, it's just very funny. I will say, uh, uh, 11 years into my marriage, same things happening with my wife where we're just like sharing a mind almost, or like we think of the things at the exact same time and call each other at the same time. So, but, but that's beautiful, right? Yeah, There's something awesome. about that. That's, a, that's really you know, the gift, the, the sacrament of marriage. It's the, uh, you're the two, the two or the hearts and the minds are just, becoming one yeah exactly well that's so cool i mean i really loved hearing your story and uh and now i can say your joy is is very infectious and uh mm. i think it's awesome that as as kind of like you're a novice master right now so you've, you've got all these these younger guys coming in mm. um to the cfrs and you get to mentor them and kind of lead mm. them in this journey um, and I guess what I'm, I'm one thing I'm kind of interested in is like, you, you meet, you probably meet a lot of people who are maybe discerning what's next in life or who maybe have just decided to take the plunge into the CFR, or maybe even people who like, aren't anywhere on the religious radar. Um, and, and in your experience, like, what is the, what is the deepest longing of young men today? Mm. Like what, what is yeah. the, the hunger in their heart that is, the missing piece, so to speak, that the people are really looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think of the young man. I just sat next to you on the plane coming back from my 30 day. I hadn't talked to anybody in 30 days. And I, I yeah. again, may be a parent, but I like to talk. I like to connect, uh-huh. right? So this young man sat next to, next to me and uh, very, very respectful and very talkative. And and uh, he actually joked. He's like, "Hey, hey, I I forgot my same outfit at home. I'd been weird if we would have been dressed alike sitting next to each other, right?" <laughs> so he was very he was very comfortable, and and he's a fallen away Catholic, right? Grew up in Northern Connecticut, and he God God bless him. He went to went to a, a, a Catholic boarding school, but he just it, it was so it was powerful for me because he they were like, "Yeah, Father, like it was all intellect," and I I didn't they didn't introduce me to God. Yeah. And, and he's still in his early twenties and he's like, and I still have, I still haven't, I encountered him. Right. Mm. And so as I was speaking with him and again, he, the longing of his heart and he's, he's very smart. And so he's, he's doing, I think the Lord is using his, his journey of, of, of kind of the intellect, right. As we know is a gift and we can, the Lord can use that to, to, to come deeper into the church or into encounter. Right. But he also realized that you can't stop with our minds, right? You can't just think yourself into the church. You have to have experience of the heart, right? And it's both, right? The gift of this relationship. And, and the more and more I sat there and talked to him, I realized that he has no idea who he is, right? Mm. And I think that's the key is that 
when I ex- walk with our young guys in community, or I'm, I work with the poor, we work with drug addicts, or we go around preaching, we, and this sounds intense, but the, we're just experiencing an identity crisis all across the board. Men have no idea who they are. Yeah. They, yeah. they have, it's an, it's an identity crisis. It's, they have no idea what their inheritance is, what they've been given by God. Like we, again, my, as you know, born of fire, the book, it kind of talks about the, it doubles down on the gift of baptism. You ask a, a, like a, just a normal Catholic, what baptism is. They have no idea yeah. what the gift of baptism is. Right. And, and what that means for our inheritance and, and God, God dwelling in us and being alive in us. And, and so it's, we have no idea who we are. We're walking around and there's a woundedness about that. There's a, there's a heaviness about that. And so my brother, some of the, one of the joys of my life is if these young men showing up to religious life and, and speaking the truth and blessing over them, that they are sons of the father and, and that they have received an inheritance and, and God, this is true. And it, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming in your ministry or in both in your, in your yeah. families, your, your, your kids that, yeah that um, it's, it's difficult sometimes because what's true doesn't necessarily mean people can receive it, right? They're like, well, Father, I just had a tough day and prayer is hard. Yeah, okay, but it's still true. God, like the Father's real mm-hmm. and you are a son, right? We're so, we're so kind of captivated by our emotions and they're dominant and, and like, oh, prayers dry, Father. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, for me too. <laughs> you know, yeah. or like whatever it is, like we're, everybody's quick, to judge their, their, and, and to kind of be stuck in their, 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 their struggle. And, and they forget what's real. That's, that's deeper than, than the struggle. That's deeper than consolation, desolation. That's deeper than the circumstances of my life. It's, it's the truth about who you are as a son and daughter of God. And people are longing for that. And so whether it's with my postulant brothers or and novice brothers, or whether it's with in the confessional, like when you just speak the truth and bless people with the gift of who they are, they're like, father, like, like just no one's told me that. Or, or just, just one young man was like, father, could you say that again? Just tell me again. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the big thing. It's an identity crisis and, and, and young men and women just long to know who they are and for, for to have father, fathers and mothers who just bless them into that. Yeah. I had an experience like that in the confessional once I, um was just having a really hard time in general and just kind of you know poured my heart out in confessional and I was just kind of expecting it to be like just like a lot of other confessions you know I was like um uh you know you're you know I forgive you and just just you know go in peace or whatever and just just kind of like a quick perfunctory like uh thing you know just kind of like it's confessions sometimes are fantastic sometimes they're just they're just yeah 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 But in this case, the the priest, you know, I was kind of hanging my head, like all discouraged and there was no screen this time, you know, so it was just mm-hmm. kind of a face to face thing, which I'm not, you know, I don't normally experience. And it was this, this wonderful priest from Africa. Um, and he just, he said, you know, what is your name? And I said, Sam. And he's like, Samuel, he's like, like the prophet. And he's like, he's like, look me in the eye. And I looked him in the eye and he's like, you know, he's like, God is blessing you or whatever. And he like put his hands on my head and Mm. like, just said the prayer and just like such a beautifully fatherly way. Like it was just so transformative. It was like a, a, a true blessing, fatherly blessing, like you're describing, that what was again. totally different than anything else I had experienced mm. in confession before. And um, it was, it was truly wonderful. Like it was yeah. the kind of thing that you just kind of like tears came to your eyes. Like, 
Yes, this is what I've been longing for, you know. And the father, the father breaks through, right? The gift of the sacraments is that the father, like the the heavens are opened and you're like, you get a glimpse of, of the way the father looks at you. That's Sam. That's, it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. And I, I really like Sam, what you're bringing up with experience, because that's what I was thinking too, because we see this in our ministry all the time here is that men don't know, you know, who they are. They don't know who they're supposed to be or who they're called to be. And as such, they put on all sorts of false images or false personalities of, of life, you know, that that's filled with fear and it's filled with, uh, you know, unknowing and filled with, you know, um, uh, a certain sense of, of, you know, inward um, loathing or, or, you know, uh, mm. sadness, you know, within their hearts. Yep. But at the same time, even when we've adopted you know, that, that knowledge and that we've accepted the fact that we are, you know, sons of a living God and um, adopted sons of a living God. And we were chosen by him to live here and now and to embrace our Mm. roles as masculine men in, in society. If we don't have that experience and we haven't come back to that experience and it stays up here, right. And it doesn't connect with the heart. We find this, um, we find something else still lacking, right. And now we're, now we're requiring our intellect to uh, to, to control us. And I, and I, I will say, I'm just so grateful for you being here because I love the CFRs. I love their charisms. I, your charism. I, um, I had a, um, let's call it a prejudice, right? I was my spiritual director for four years. Who was a great man was a TOR. And, um, I just assumed that the CFRs were just, you know, posers and, and, and they, they wish they were as old as the TORs and stuff like that. And then God easily broke through. That wasn't hard to do because I just started meeting you guys here in Fort Worth and a lot of your brothers and, um, and and your passion for, for, for great liturgy and for, um, for beautiful Mm. music and for brother Isaiah is a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, like father Pio's intellect, right. But but besides being a skateboarder, but, I, uh, I, I was asking He's a him, genius. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Hey father, have you, um, what, what Vatican II document translation should I read? This is like 10 years ago. And he goes, ah, none of them are good, John. He's like here. And he pulls out of his right ear Franciscan backpack or whatever he pulls out. That's what we do hood. right here. Yeah. And, and he pulls out his translation of the, of the Vatican II documents with, with some notes of, of, you know, things that still have question marks on them and stuff like that. And I was just, I was just the, uh, but that love and that passion and that, that, that's so founded in Christ that you guys have, you just really um, died yourself. And so I'd like to actually uh, turn to that and say, um, you know, what does the day in and day out look like as a CFR? And I know it's different depending on which regions you are, but you guys, um, uh, right? You 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 beg for food. You help the poor. You are you just really take on a very beautiful um, depth of poverty. Uh, I know within your own lives, and I'd love you to talk a little bit about that about your yeah. charism. You know, as a as a Franciscan CFR. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. So, uh, so we're Franciscan friars of the renewal, right? So obviously, that word of renewal is going to be going to be big for us. A couple of years ago, we got, we got affirmed from the truth by the church to be pontifical, which is actually just a really beautiful, uh, beautiful experience because the church is actually saying that you guys have a charism, (laughs) that this is of the Holy spirit. And, Mm. and so 
it was beautiful to receive that from the church. And now speaking of identity crisis, we, we don't, we're not having one because we know who we are. Mm. Like the, the, the church has given us the gift of our, our call to renewal and conversion. And we say first that, that happens in my own heart. Right. So we're, we're authentic men of the gospel who after following St. Francis that are, are deeply committed to personal ongoing renewal conversion in my own heart. And so the daily getting up, the daily living our consecration and living the gospel, like St. Francis, he, it's funny, we're, we're kind of, we have them on, like the, the edge on the gospel, right? Because Francis, all he want to do is like, I just want to live like Jesus, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. So I love teaching the young guys. He's like, we just want to live like Jesus, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. Um, give up everything you have and come follow me, right? Who did, now, granted, this is kind of overly simplistic, but who did Jesus want to spend or who did he spend most of his time with the poor and his mm. brothers? Right. <laughs> like, so, so the gift of, of just kind of concretely radically living the gospel. Right. And uh, so we're just kind of, we, we just go all in for that. So our whole day, um, I like to tell the brothers that first and foremost, we're consecrated for prayer, right? As a consecrated witness, we are, we are called to be men of prayer, right? That's the first thing we, I love when people are like, so what do you guys like do? <laughs> we, we, we pray. That's what we do. Right. From, you know, I, I get up at four 30 in the morning and I go to bed at nine 30 at night and I, and our whole, our whole day, the kind of the skeleton is times of, of real intense prayer before the blessed sacrament in my cell by myself and before my icon of Jesus. And uh, we pray the liturgy of the hours. We have mass together every, every morning. Um, so our whole day is centered on, on this gift of, 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 of personal, adoration and, and uh, community prayer, litur liturgical prayer. And so that's it. If, if I, I could stop the conversation there, we pray. <laughs> um, from this place overflows the gift of our fraternal life, right? I like to tell people that our fraternal life is not accidental. Like we just didn't think it was cool one day to like wake up and be like, hey, it'd be kind of cool to live with brothers, right? It's, it's, it's at the heart of the gospel, right? The brothers, the brothers are, are, are God's gift to me to help me go deeper and help me to get out of myself, to help me sacrifice, right? They, they keep us, they, they protect us. Our brotherhood protects us from a lot of the dangers of the world, right? Um, we, this is, it's kind of our family, right? I live, I live with 19 other guys here. It's in it. And you guys know the CFRs, it's pretty wild place. It's loud. It's, <laughs> there's a lot of laughter and you know, it's intense, um, but it's, it's incredible. But the brotherhood is at the heart of, of our life. And then from there, we have we share in our mission of that's twofold for for serving the, the poorest of the poor and and evangelization, right? So we have we take care of the poor in a variety of different ways, um, homeless shelters, youth centers. Uh, we our, our new thing during COVID was we're just kind of doing street walks, evangelization. Um, to, to, to drug addicts and, and giving them food and praying with them. And it's, it's wild. I love every minute of it. Yeah. Um, and then also evangelization. We're preachers. We go around, uh, travel the country, giving parish missions and, and talks and youth retreats. And so, uh, yeah, so this is kind of the, the, the concert, our consecrated life. And, and we, and again, the expression is very obviously at the heart of it is, is the way St. Francis lived mm -hmm. and uh, the way we can live that kind of to the best of our ability in uh, in 2022. Awesome. No, I appreciate That's that. really cool. I, um, I had a kind of a, I want to get to your book, your Lenten devotional that we, 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 um, that kind of triggered this conversation, the born of fire book. And it looks 
Fantastic. But one of the things I want to talk about real quick, so you talked about this hunger that, that a lot of people are experiencing in kind of the materialistic West. Mm. Like we've got everything at our fingertips. We got Amazon, one click shipping, you know, next day, same day shipping, whatever, you know, we've got, <laughs> we got everything, all the creature comforts we could imagine. We got our big screen TVs and, and yet it's not enough. It's not filling that void and people are looking for something else. And there's all kinds of movements around here. Like, uh, you know, I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with these things. Like, you know, the, the kind of minimalist movement, like, like just get rid of everything and like live in a tiny, tiny house and, and like minimize your life. And that'll like help you find meaning or whatever. Um, or then you have people who are like, well, don't, don't worry about the simple life, just contribute something to society. So like start a business, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, but then there's like this Franciscan simplicity, which you know, kind of mirrors in, in, in kind of a, just an objective sense, like some of the hunger for like the minimalism or like, let's stop being so consumeristic. But yeah, there's something more there. And so I just wonder if you could talk about simplicity for a minute, like why yeah. this radical poverty, why this give up everything and just kind of live on a, uh, in this intense edge of life and just be among mm -hmm. the poorest of the poor. I mean, it may not be as cool. Like, you know, you guys don't wear black turtlenecks or anything, you know, but, but, uh, you but you still live in a radically simple, <laughs> minimalistic life in a sense. So, so like, what's the attraction there? Like, what's the purpose behind the simplicity, if you will? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question because I think people are afraid of poverty and simplicity. And, yeah. and it just, it's just good to say that it doesn't, we don't, it, in the, in the gift of evangelical poverty, gospel poverty that we're all called to follow, it doesn't all look the same for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. But we can't we can't deny the fact that Jesus, when he calls his followers, you know, to I always I always say like he says give up everything, but also he says take nothing for the journey, mm -hmm. right? And when he says you know I'm going to send you like lambs lambs among wolves, but take nothing for the journey, you're like hey I don't get that like I'm not into that like yeah. like you know I'm going to get I'm just going to get devoured by this world, but take nothing. And brothers, here's the Franciscan sweet spot is that is that Francis went all in for Jesus, right? So he cleared the way, like get stuff out of the way, not because he didn't like stuff. It's because we can't, we can't deny the fact that the world has an effect on us. And if I fill my life with other things, then silence is really difficult or prayer is really difficult or being attentive to my, my brothers is difficult. It, and so if we fill our stuff with the world, we can't deny that doesn't have an effect. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the Franciscan sweet spot is, 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 you know, poverty, like sad poverty or, or poverty and with no relationship is just like miserable. Right. But you, you clear stuff out of the way. Why? Because we believe that if you, if we lean into this gospel simplicity and poverty, then, then there's space for a deeper intimacy with the living God. And there's a holy space where I can, I can receive the silence in a deeper way, or I can, I actually, I actually spend more time in prayer and I start to lose attraction for worldly things or for sin, right? Sin, you just don't like conquer sin. Sin is loved out of us. It's in relationship where I'm like, mm. I just like, we lose and our appetite for sin or yeah, the world yeah. because our relationship with Christ Right. So that's why, I mean, I, it's a simple answer, but poverty and simplicity, we're kind of afraid of it. Like, Oh, I, like I, I have to give up all these things and I'm going to, I'm just going to walk around like empty all the time. 
it creates a space for relationship. That's my big thing in formation. Like it's all about relationship and identity. And from that place, then we can be like St. Paul. Like I can rejoice with rejoice and be sad, or I can eat a nice meal. Like when I, I was recently visiting the Venas and I, 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 they're an incredible family in, in uh, the Fort Worth area that you guys are connected with. And, and, uh, it was just beautiful to be a part of their family. I was coming from my silent 30 day and, and, and kind of simple and, and being and just letting myself be loved. And, and they're like, do you want ice cream? I'm like, yeah, I want ice cream, you know, <laughs> but awesome, I can just live in freedom and be like, yeah, like the father's caring for me here. Right. So the simplicity allows us just to be ourselves, live in relationship. And we're not, we're not threatened or controlled by things of the world. Yeah, it reminds me of something that you know, Pope Benedict said. I wish I had the exact words in front of me, but it basically said something like, a lot of people are afraid to, to open the doors to, to Christ because they're afraid they're going to lose oh, everything yeah. that matters to them. But he's like, you will keep everything that matters to you and you'll get so much more in a sense, like when you choose to follow him in that way. And I think I think from the the, the gospel, or excuse me, the, the, the poverty and the simplicity, I think it's only it's, it's only a kind of effective by, by, by witnesses, right? Yeah. You can, again, poverty can be an idea or simplicity can be an idea or, or relationship with God, or we're going to talk about the book, like baptism, like, Oh, but if it's just an idea, like I can't fall in love with that. Mm-hmm. I can't fall in yeah. love with an idea. Like yeah. it's any great, again, the, the gift of the intellect and, and the Franciscan kind of like, hopefully like a kind of an integration of it all. But, but when, when those things are, the world is, is kind of, cleared out then i can fall in love with with the living god yeah 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 on a day in and day out basis i I think that's really awesome so um i appreciate you sharing that i i do i will let's 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 turn to um the desert and let's turn to uh where we really remove ourselves from everything including the comforts of a bed or a blanket or anything like that and we go into the desert and so you've written a um a really powerful book born of fire and i'm glad that we're able to release this uh episode before lent right because the the book is for lent and we're going to go into it but for our listeners here uh don't be caught unaware, right? Don't be caught off guard that Lent comes March 2nd of uh, this year, Ash Wednesday. And um, and a lot of people are, are needing that guidance. You're needing that roadmap. You're needing that help. And and Father Innocent, you've uh, you've laid it out here. But before we, we go into this, what inspired you to write this roadmap for men, um, which my wife will probably do it with me, but um, for men, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this roadmap here, I'd love to hear about your experience. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. I, I have a lot of fire in my heart for this. I, we're, we're actually doing our own podcast episodes on the book. And, and uh, so we've been doing those recently and, and uh, I just get fired up and the brothers are like, man, there's something going on. There's some fire in you for this. So, um, so yeah, it just means a lot to me. So this, this whole experience of, of born of fire going into the desert just, or kind of organically developed in my experience of being a formator for the friars. And as, as I, as I was invited by the community to, to be a spirit father to these young men as they enter religious life, I was just became very aware of their deep desires and how good they are and how the capacity of their hearts to, 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 to enter in and to go on this journey of formation. But one thing I realized that this generation, and we could, you could talk all about this in different ways, but this generation particularly just needs a lot of attention and a lot of intentionality, right? Formation, or fatherhood, motherhood, forming children doesn't accidentally happen. 
Um, you guys know that it's, it's, there's, it, it takes a lot of intentionality and, and we have to be very focused and with the world we live in, again, with the identity crisis is that we have a lot of people walking around who have no idea who they are and, and they, they don't really know what, where the way out is. Right. And so when I started walking with these young men, one thing that's, that's again, right from the gospel, which is, which is like the simple pitch for it, which I'll get to. But one thing I realized is that, is that formation and, and to, to foster an encounter for these young men with, with God, it's, it's going to have to take place in, in a drastically different way from what they're used to. Yeah. Right. We have a technology kind of saturated culture. Guys are coming in religious life beat up by the world. I, I don't, I hope that doesn't necessarily scandalize you guys, but young men are coming more and more today and they're beat up by the world. There's, there's really no young man that's like untouched by the world these days mm-hmm. and they're wounded and their self-confidence and, and there's their self-awareness, right? They're just, we, we call it, um, as CFRs, we call it psychological fortitude. Guys aren't that tough right? They, they just don't have, this is not necessarily naturally being formed into yeah. them by the culture. Right. And so we're coming in and we're like, these, these guys, man, they're, they're such good men, but they, I, my, my two rules is like, don't be, don't be, don't be weird and don't be soft. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, we, we need guys to, to be able to make a gift of themselves and to offer their, not only their, yes, their hearts, but their lives. Right. A lot of your guys's fatherhood, it, it's so demanding. It, it, it takes everything from, you know, from your schedule, from the sacrifices of work, from the sacrifices of getting up in the middle of the night, from as a, as a father, you just have a ton of responsibility and it's difficult. And, and so, so what, how do you help guys inform guys to make a gift of themselves as, as, as sons, as sons of God. Right. Yeah. And so this is what I'm noticing. And, and so, the guys need just kind of this drastic kind of reorientation. <laughs> and so um, we learn from Jesus and we learn from basically salvation history that God likes to do this. He likes to call his chosen people away and, and, and to provide these, these concrete circumstances where they can let go of everything, be purified and learn how to relate in a, and live in relationship with him in a new way. Right. Mm. So you guys know that, right? It's, it's all over scriptures, the, the time of purification in the desert. And, um, and obviously to keep it simple, um, we are, we, what I'm inviting people to during this land is to go to the desert with Jesus. Mm. Right. So much, so many, so much, many of my lens, it's, it's like my own kind of spiritual Olympics. And, and I kind of just decide what I'm going to do. And I, and I'm just really self-focused and I start living Lent, but it's not in relationship. And, and I want to keep this simple, but, but going, going to the desert with Jesus changes the perspective of everything because Jesus is the only one that can give us what our hearts desire. Jesus is the only one that can teach us. He is the great teacher, right? And so there's two moments that we hold together. Um, as Jesus, again, Jesus being the great teacher, the, the gift of baptism, the gift of the desert, they're so proximate in the gift, in, in the, in the gospels, right? Jesus in the gift of his baptism receives the, or receives the truth about what has been the truth for him from all eternity, that he is the beloved son. Right. And we get a glimpse into that, right? The gift of the bestowal of an identity, again, the receiving the truth about who he is, Mm -hmm. right. Immediately he goes into the desert, right? He, 
he goes into the desert to, to be with his father, to live in this place of, of identity and sonship. Right. Mm. And he makes the waters holy for us, but he also makes the deserts holy for the desert holy for us. And he's doing it to, to give us a glimpse and what it means to be a true son, what it means to leave the world, to leave the comforts, to, to leave the noise and to bring us to the place before the father. So, so this is the movement. And this is what I invite my young, my, my young brothers to is that we're going to leave everything behind and we're going to go to the desert with Jesus. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to face God and face ourselves. And we're going to be in a place of receiving the gift of who we are, maybe for the first, for first time in our lives, but, but Jesus is going to be our guide and it's all going to be about identity. Yeah. No, it's so great. And um, it's, it's really broken down uh, well in this book, Sam, sorry. No, yeah, you're fine. I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, so there's, so there's this, this, this powerful, like identity as a son and like being confirmed in that. Um, and, but you mentioned some of the wounds that, you know, in our culture and stuff like that, but what would you say in your experience? Cause you, you work, you preach this, you teach this, you live this, like what are some of the obstacles that men face to again not only knowing this identity as we were talking about earlier but feeling it in a deep way and like being really transformed by it because you can know like oh yeah i'm god's son you know and and that's why it's cliche for a lot of people like oh okay father people talk about identity all the time oh i'm a son of the father it's great right people know it all the time and and that's why i think the criticism of this idea or the the book is like oh just another book on identity oh everybody's you know father's just gonna tell us again that we're beloved sons right (laughs) so it's a great question you know like what's what's different right and and i think i i love i love that question because what happens in the desert it, it becomes when you leave everything and you, and you, and you have to enter into the desert, the difficult, the, the challenge, the, the sacrifice, we, there's no comforts in the desert. And that's what I love about it. When you literally have to let go of everything and you have to face God and face yourself, then that's when things start to come up. And, and, and uh, what's interesting. Um, yeah. What's just interesting, Sam, is that there's just a reality that uh, self-reliance breaks down pretty quick in the desert. And I think that's one of the, one of, that's probably the, just one of the most poisonous things of, of masculinity is just self-reliance. It's, mm-hmm. it's an orphan spirit actually. Right. So the, the, the orphan, if you don't know your, you have a father who's good and love you and is going to, is going to give you everything and bless you and going to mm-hmm. protect you. Then you start living as an orphan and the poison that gets in is that I got to do it by myself. I got to protect myself. I got to provide for myself. And so the, the whole orientation of your life is turned in on you. Yeah. Right. And, and, and again, guys bring that into religious life, the self-reliance, right. But my brothers, if that's not broken, then how can you ever in like live in a relationship with God and in this radical openness and dependence and receiving everything. When the father says in the prodigal son, everything I have is yours. Like you could just meditate that on that for the rest of your life. Yeah. But if you're closed in and insulated and, and, and self-protected, you can't, you can't receive that. Yeah. Right. And so in the desert, I love it. I mean, and this is funny because I, you guys probably picked this up by now, but I, I'm an intense guy and I love life and I love the friars, yeah. but, but we go for it. And, and um, I, I just harder better <laughs> and, yeah. and the intensity in, in the desert. And we're really pushing guys in this, in this, what we call the challenge zone, right? 
You don't want guys to panic. You don't want guys to psychologically break down. That's the panic zone. Formation doesn't happen there. You want guys to live in the challenge zone where there's just no comfort and they're constantly having to lean in to all the challenges. And pretty soon, like you have guys who we come up to a 120 foot cliff and you're repelling down and, and you, there's no, there's no way out. There's, you can't, you know, you, you can't opt out and you're, and you're afraid of heights. All right. Hey bro, you can take as long as you need. I'm right here with you. You have the support of the brothers. You take as long as you need, but there's, there's only one way down and that's down. Right. <laughs> and they're, and they experience their poverty, they experience their lack of control. Like I'm there, hopefully in a very firm, but loving way, like, bro, this is it. Like, this is the breakthrough for you. Like you, do you trust me? Yes. Father, I trust you. You trust the father. Yes. Okay. Then strap in, turn around and walk backwards off this cliff. And, okay. and, uh, it's, I did it the first time and they're like, yeah, turn around, father, just got to walk backwards. And I'm like, well, you know, <sighs> but, but it's, it's again, I I'm out of control. I can't rely on myself. I'm absolutely poor. I am so dependent on the guide that is helping me down my brothers and, and trusting. Right. So that's just a small example, Sam, where it's, that's what we see is just like the self-reliance. Um, we also see kind of the pride of the ego, right? Uh, the desert crushes egos, right? You, you can, you can, uh, you, you can make it look good for, for a while, but, um, but there's, there's ways that you just get humbled and crushed and, and men need that. Right. And as we, as we are humbled, we are built back up by the father in, in, in truth, instead of, again, the pride, the self-reliance, the self-focus. Um, so though, and, and maybe this, if I could just say this, cause I think this, this resonates in a lot of the young men is that, you know, there's a lot of brokenness. And so guys come into religious life with a significant, uh, and, and that's a strong word, but it, I think it's every, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty prevalent that guys don't have the self-confidence guys, guys don't have this, this self-possession and that they don't, they don't know who they are. Right. And, and just to be real, like a lot of guys come with sexual brokenness, right. They've been beat up by sin. They've been beat up by technology. And so they're, they're, they're just beat up by life. And so they just think they're defined by their sins. They think they're defined by their weakness. Right. And so the desert comes and you're just like, well, here it goes again. I just, I don't have what it takes. Right. So that, that lack, that fragility, but I mean, it, it happens pretty quick, but it, it's amazing because when you push guys and, and, and with that firmness and what happens when you, you might fell, one guy fell in the water, he, he was stemming across and canyoneering and he fell in six feet of water and he got wet. Okay. Okay. So that's real. That was embarrassing, right? We're talking through it and he tears kind of welling up in his eyes and, and he's embarrassed and he, he just thinks he's a failure. Well, you know what? 20 feet down the way, you're going to have another opportunity. So tell me about that. Tell me, yeah. you know, five minutes from now, you're going to have to do it again. Mm -hmm. Guys, he did it. Yeah. He rocked it. Yeah. Right. And after that, I'm like, hey, tell me about what's going on in your heart after you just did that. And he's like, father, like, I never thought I could do it. I, the lies in my mind were just like, you're not good enough. You're going to fail. But when you press in and you don't give up and you suffer well, and you actually complete this and you do it, guys, this, this self-confidence and this, this new sense of self kind of wakes up in them. And I'm like, man, that's why we come right there. That's why we yeah. come. I can't, I can't do that in Harlem guys. <laughs> I mean, right. I can repel off the building, but like, I can't, <laughs> I can't provide spaces like that in Harlem. 
Um, so those are some examples, but that's, that's the, I think that brings me a lot of joy to watch guys go through this journey. And, and I'm right that you, you're, you get to bring the postulants out there yearly, right. To do something yeah. along this line. Is it during Lent or is it, um, just, uh, you know, throughout the year sometime? Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. It's actually not during Lent. Um, so yeah. the, the book is, is again, the, the fire in my heart for this, the fire in my heart for, for the going to the desert with Jesus going kind of all in for identity and baptism. And, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's just kind of the fruit of this journey with the guys, but uh, we actually go for three weeks in, in November. And so the guys get settled September, October. Um, and it's actually really important that we grow in trust for those two months. Um, so I just, I just really try to bless them and walk with them and, and so prepare them well. Um, and then at that, as that trust is built, we go into the desert in in November and it, you know, you're talking about 70, 70 degrees during the day, which is awesome, but it gets below zero at night in the desert. And yeah. so the cold is the, is the, is the pretty intense, like the, the struggle there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's awesome. So we, we don't, it doesn't actually match Lent, but we, we definitely hold the spirit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so for the book here, Born of Fire, um, I really like how you go through Lent, but you also go through the Easter octave, right? Because there's been, I'm sure, a number of us that um, have done Exodus 90 or or some other form, you know, some Magnificat or something like that, where we've gone through a Lenten experience. And then at the very end, Easter hits and it's like, but now what? Right. Done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's, you know, it's, 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 that's enjoyable on Sunday and maybe Monday, but then, you know, we want to get back into it because we have that heart for unity with Christ that just, ne- that is always growing and is always, you know, um, the, the depths of it are never ending. And, um, yeah. and so what next? So I really like that. So if you talk a little bit about the, the, you know, kind of structure of the book, I think that'd yeah. be helpful. I, I, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I appreciate you bringing up Exodus 90. I know there's a, that's born a lot of fruit for a lot of guys. And I think just a good way to think about the journey here is I just, and I, I I just want to be clear that, that the the fire in my heart is to bless guys. And, and I mean, sons and daughters, right. I, I, women are, are on, are going on this journey as well. Uh, it's the, the, the desire of my heart. And I think what the Lord is doing here is, is really the interior journey, right? So I do take guys to the desert. We, there's a lot of intense physical activity. You're going to read about some stories and the examples, but that's all been on ramp to the interior life. Mm. That's all an on-ramp. So my deep, deep desire for, for men during Lent is to, to help them pray, to, to, to help them go deeper in their interior life. So I do think Born of Fire is, is this kind of interior, the accompaniment in the interior life and then the gift of prayer. And so I don't go kind of all in on like, okay, here's what your day is going to look like and fasting and yeah. things like that. I do speak about that, but it is a real invitation to prayer. Um, I think we've wasted far too many lengths, uh, not going to the interior place. And so if, if one guy just goes deeper in prayer, this land will, it'll all be worth it, but it's the invitation to the interior journey. So what we do here is I call it an identity pilgrimage, right? And, uh, I don't have like a corner on the market here, as you guys notice probably is it is, it is the natural journey of man. And, and, uh, but I do think it's an, it's an insight to our life. Like I, I studied a lot of Christological anthropology, right? Like Christ reveals man fully to himself. That was John Paul II's favorite thing to say. Only in Christ does man come to know himself, right? So Jesus lived these full, these, these identities of, of his masculine heart. And, and, we, and he is the teacher and we want to learn from him, right? So we start with the identity of son. 
And the, the identity of sun, as you guys know, is the foundational identity. If we don't get this one right, you don't get any of the others right. You know, Jesus is the son of the father. Eternally, he is son. <laughs> like that's true, right? So the gift of, of sonship is, is, is so profound because we constantly have to live in this posture as sons. We, have a, we are sons of such a good father, a perfect father who loves us and, and gives us everything. And we live in this place constantly. Our own personal prayer, this is the posture. But as you guys know, again, maybe in your own life as, 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 as sons and, and now fathers, is that pretty quickly, I heard a great line that one of the greatest gifts that a mother and father can give an only child is the gift of another brother or sister. Mm. And there's, there's a, there's a, there's a perspective change, right? Because now I'm, I'm not the center of mom or dad's existence, but so I have a brother or I have a sister. So Jesus teaches us now what it means to, you know, the, the gospel command to love God and your neighbor, right? It goes together. So you have this perspective change that now life is not just about me, but now the son becomes a brother. And I, now I have to learn and to love and to experience this person next to me as he loves God or, or he encounters the world. Right. So that makes sense, but, but the gift of brotherhood. So I talk a lot about the good Samaritan, right? Are we moved by the guy on the side of the road, our neighbor, our brother, sister who is struggling or suffering? What's it mean? Like what's, what's other people in my life mean as, as a brother and how I'm moved by that. Do you guys know brothers become men, right? We, that, that pretty can be awkward, but, but important time of our life where we, we grow into manhood. We, we recognize that the deepest desires of our hearts and, and what it means to love and to sacrifice. So I have the the whole third week is, is about just being a man. I introduced that term grit, right? Passion and perseverance. Uh, Men have to be able to do hard things and to give themselves. Right. Um, So what it means to be a true man before you can be a spouse, right? You got to be a man. And so it, that the gift of, of, of that masculine heart allows us to be, to become spouses, which was the next identity. The gift of spouses is, is, is very obviously clear, but we are made, every man is made for a beloved. We are made to be men in love. We are made to be captivated by, by beauty. Right. Um, I love teaching our young postulants who are called to be consecrated. Right. Mm-hmm. They think that they just have to be like, all right, well, I guess I'll sacrifice marriage and it's, it's a discipline and and, you know, I'll just kind of suffer through that. But, but as consecrated men, we're made for a beloved too. It's a, it's a part of Jesus's heart yeah. to sacrifice himself for his bride. And, and to, again, to, to have the one that your affections and your heart are, are focused on, right? Jesus is, the, is my beloved. He is the one that I've given my heart, my, my soul, my body to, right? And obviously the gift of that, the, the deep spirituality there. But I'm made to have, to have someone who is the object of my love. And what that means to, to live that spousal identity, just like Jesus, who, who lays down his life in love for his bride, the church. So obviously, you know, spouses become fathers, right? And um, just to note that I really think we have to be careful here is because in formation, especially in the church, um, I do think we talk a lot about sons becoming fathers, mm. which is obviously good, but you can't be a father without being a spouse, Right. Like you, we talk about a lot about fatherhood, but if you're not in love, if you're, if you're, if you don't, if, if you don't grow in this relationship with, with your wife or, and, 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 and go all in on being radically in love with your spouse or your beloved, like kids don't just make sense. They just, it doesn't, it doesn't have a context. Right. So, you know, the gift of a man becoming a spouse and spouses become fathers. Like it's, 
it's it's just beauty. It's just beautiful because it 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 all it just flows through that love to through that love, right? Mm-hmm. So sons become fathers, yes, but we have to be to live in that beautiful gift of of being a spouse, and in our context of our fatherly hearts, kind of makes sense from there, right? If you guys took your wives out of the picture, it doesn't. You, yes, you're a father, but it just doesn't make it doesn't make that much sense. Yeah. Right. And so, so that kind of the natural part of the, of the identity pilgrimage. And then I add those two other weeks, uh, being a mystic and, and being the new man. Yeah. And, uh, and what's beautiful about being a mystic, I, I note in the book that we're not, it's not like it comes after your father, right? It's actually the identity that's kind of at the heart and, and the fire and the fuel for them all. And I, and that's where we get the gift of our baptism, right? The indwelling Trinity, the, the, the mystical life that we're all called to to double down on the promise that I, the God lives in me, the power of the Holy spirit Pentecost happened for me <laughs> and this is real. And so then I can live a mystical life with God in prayer and I can be transformed by him. And so the gift of, 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 of being a man of prayer. And then that last week of the Easter octave, again, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful for your feedback there. Cause it meant a lot to me that I just, I don't want to stop at Easter. Like the Easter octave is celebrating and going deeper in what it means to be a man of the resurrection to be a man of, of, to be the new man in Jesus. That's constant. Mm-hmm. That every time I receive the Eucharist, this happens in me. I'm, I'm the new man in Jesus. Go to confession. Every time I'm, I'm living the gospel, I'm this new man where the resurrection is happening. Um, so that's a quick view. I'm yeah. uh, sorry if that was kind of a longer view, but the, the, that's the, that's the identity pilgrimage. That's exciting. No, I think it's great. I love the I love the how you you laid it out for us here and any of our listeners because now we all have kind of a precursor understanding of what we're getting into and that process that we're taking. And I, I um, it's, it's always very helpful for me. Yeah. So awesome. I mean, that's that's some pretty profound stuff there. And I um, I think everybody would benefit from this book, like you mentioned, women too. But but uh, this book is is kind of uh, oriented uh, mostly for men, and I think that men need need this. We need to develop our interior life. We can be so externally focused. We can be so focused on on doing, and and I when you talk about identity, it's more about being. It's more about yeah. uh, who you are when you're not doing things, <laughs> um, and 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 really our, all of our doing flows from that, that who we are in in those moments. Um, of being and so it's like learning to be a son is is so essential to our journey but I also want to acknowledge and you, you've touched on this briefly but I'd love to hear you expand on it you know th- there's so much brokenness in our in our world today and we think about so many young men's experience of fatherhood is tinged by bitterness or disappointment mm-hmm. or even anger where you know uh I remember hearing went back back a while ago when I was listening to such things, uh, hearing a a a rap song where he was he was praising his mother, but he said, "No love for my father because the coward (laughs) wasn't there." He said, "The coward wasn't there." Like where you know where's dad? He's nowhere in the picture, and he was you know there's bitterness about that. Like and and a lot of times we, I think a lot of people didn't have a positive experience of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and we bring that to our spiritual life and it can lead to this scrupulosity or like this hidden resentment towards God as father, or even just a sense of distance. And so I'm just wondering if you could just, um, expound a little bit on how, 
some of those feelings can be overcome. Like how can you, you yeah. know, young men kind of coming out of the cultural carnage uh, of the world today can um, kind of overcome some of those wounds? Yeah, that's, it's awesome. Great question. It's a real, it's a real struggle, especially for men in formation is that they're, they are coming with real experiences. And, yeah. and uh, I, I was watching, watching the documentary recently on fatherhood and uh, there was, it, it was a spiritual, there was a spiritual perspective to it. And, and uh, this great line was that uh, he had, this young man had spent, uh, you know, the, the better part of 40 years trying, trying to wipe the face of his father off of God. Right. And, and, and so we, we are dramatically affected by our own experience of fatherhood, the gift. I mean, just to understand like the gift of marriage and, and motherhood and fatherhood, you guys are, are icons of the father. I mean, that is built into your spiritual DNA and, and, and the gift of your fatherhood that you, that you are icons of the father, just like Mary and Joseph, you, when Jesus looked at Mary, she, she saw the father, he saw the father. When he looked at St. Joseph, he saw the father's gaze, right? Motherhood and fatherhood is this I mean, think of like, like meditate on that. That's, that's incredible. Like what a gift, right? Your vocation, right? But we realize that with human weakness and human brokenness, there's, there's significant woundedness and limitations, right? And so what God does, I think God has to spend a lot of time in early information is to, again, to, to help guys to at least starting in, in, in with the spiritual life to come into a place where we can receive in a new way, the gift of who we are. Right. And so I, I actually, this, this happened to me personally with my own spiritual director and my dad is an amazing man, but, but I, with just the pressure and, and academics and sports and things like that, like I grew up with an insecurity, like I gotta be good enough. And I gotta, I gotta look the part and do like, you just kind of kind of have this way of conditional love. And I just carried that into religious life and I had to prove myself and I had to be, I had to please. Right. And, and my spiritual director told me, we, as we were kind of walking through this and I, and I was talking about my dad and, and the struggle, the struggles. And, and it was amazing. Uh, my spiritual director said, Hey, listen, like, I think we just need to tell people early in the spiritual life when they're, when they're growing. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Your father struggled and there was limitations, but you have a father in heaven now. I mean, you are, excuse me, you always had a father in heaven, but now your focus is on him, right? We need to, we need to surrender our fathers and the, their limitations and let the, just let it be what it is. But you're not held hostage by that now because you have a real father in heaven who, who loves you and sees you and bestows this new life of some chip on you. And so it that's obvious, <laughs> but I somehow I, off, I, I just always thought that I like, I was kind of carrying my relationship as kind of baggage. And, and when I came into this new relationship with this newfound grace with God, my father, I was like, man, like, I don't have to like have any, I don't have to, I don't have to seek the father through my dad anymore. I don't have to, I don't have to be worried or, or, or kind of, it doesn't have to hinder the way I experience the father. So it's a simple reality, but what I invite guys to early is just like, okay, like we've been wounded, but we've really got to surrender that because we have a real father in heaven. And he wants to, he wants to necessarily kind of start over with you and to give guys access to a living father right now. And so then they can, they can start being healed so they can receive what's true. Does that make sense? It's yeah. super simple, but it's, I kind of gave my father to, to, to God. And suddenly this space was cleared where I could experience in a more authentic fatherhood of God, the father. Right. And so that, that helped me a lot. 
And um, I think again, it's it's a real it's it's a it's a real struggle in in our in our day and age. And um, but uh, and one other thing, if I could just say, is that with when it comes to this, the grace of Father, the grace of fatherhood is that God has to send God promises to send us people to remind us who we are. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, if you think, if you guys think of your own um, spiritual fathers, priests that have a, a profound impact on you, or even, even, uh, you know, any, any religious woman, men, men or man or woman, but God sends us people to remind us who we are. Right. And so I remember just, again, that priest in high school, like th- that was, that was the father's face. That was a father's mercy. That was his presence who just, who just encouraged me and reminded me who I was and taught me about the Eucharist. Um, Sam, your experience of confession, like, yeah, the father is like you, you had a glimpse. The father is reminding you who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think he promises to do that as well. And I humbly say that like, that's one of the deepest desires of my heart for men in formation is that maybe in my own, even in my own brokenness, that maybe they could get a glimpse of God, the father, that God, it could use this relationship to remind them who they are and to see them the way that he does. Yeah, I love that idea of surrendering our our fathers to God's and 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 kind of receiving that fatherhood. But I also think, you know, as my experience of fatherhood, you know, my father had his own brokenness, but I have my own brokenness too. And like, you, you can be insecure as sons, we can also be insecure as fathers. Where I know I've failed as a father. There's been moments when I've overreacted or mm. been been too distant when I should have been engaged or different things like that. My kids are young. But, the, but still that, that, that weighs on me at times. Like, am I, am I the dad that I should be? Am I that icon of the father that I should be? And, you know, sometimes I feel guilty, like maybe I'm not, or, you know, and, and there's always room for improvement, but, but even then like to surrender our fatherhood to yeah. God and just to let him receive our children. And in spite of our own weaknesses and failures, I think. Um, I love that. Cause you're, it's not your fatherhood. Yeah, it's yeah. you. You have a share in God's fatherhood, right? And I tell a story in the book, uh, one of the on, in the chapter of fatherhood, where every significant challenge we have, we every year we seem to have a pretty dramatic uh, incident that happens. One year, last year was like a canoe flip, and guys almost got hypothermia. Ended up being fine, but it was intense. Yeah. But what God does in those intense times is somehow I'm not able to kind of to kind of be in the situation the canoe flipped. I had to get out of my canoe to let one of the guys in. So I'm on, I'm stuck on the other side of the river and these guys are on the other side on the sandbar. And so they go into hypothermia mode and, and like all this beautiful stuff is happening where guys are really taking care of each other and, and, and comforting each other. Cause it's intense. Right. And we, we didn't know what was happening and guys getting out of their wet clothes and getting in what, you know, zero degree sleeping bags. And, and I'm stuck on the other side, side of the river. And I, and my own fatherhood, I can't do a thing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I felt so poor, but Sam was awesome is just like you said, is that, that, that moment was a big grace for me. Cause father's like, yeah, cause I'm their father. Yeah. Like I, you, 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 my vocation and my fatherhood is a share in his fatherhood. And so as I watched from a distance, I was totally moved because God was caring for them mm-hmm. and God was you, you, inspiring them to care for one another and everybody <clears throat> ended up being okay. But I was like, man, that's this person in confession or your kids, right? Like it's absolute share in the fatherhood of God for the, for this person in front of me. And, and so anyway, I love that. I just like, all right, I'm going to give you this back because my weakness and, and my limitations truth. and it's amazing. Yeah. 
Well, Father Innocent, thank you so very much. And I just uh, love listening to you. We could keep on going for sure. And we'll have to have your brother on, you know, one of these times and, uh, and have awesome. a, a duo. Of, all uh, our listeners, yeah. yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he has glasses um, and, and he's a little bit more goofy. So, but hey guys, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really grateful. Again, just, it means a lot. I'm humbled and I just sometimes feel like a poor little friar that I just want to help people pray. <laughs> so Amen. Um, I'm, re- I'm really humbled to be with you guys. And um, I just, to know that there's fathers out there like you, um, it just gives me a lot of peace because that's what we need. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and and honestly, you're helping us now and, and in this conversation and our listeners who'll be listening. So tell our listeners where else they can find you, where they can find this book. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes where they can listen to you more on your podcast, et cetera. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, just generally franciscanfriars.com, we just our website. So you can read about our life. We do, again, we're very humbled to do a pretty, a pretty fun podcast called Poco a Poco. The brothers is just, we, we long for it to kind of be a virtual friary where people can just kind of inside look on our life and, and St. Francis and kind of going deeper. So that's Poco a Poco podcast. But also if you are interested in the book, it's called Born of Fire. It's bornoffirebook.com. Born of Fire book. <laughs> dot com. And uh, so you can get it there. And just to throw out, I, again, it's a, it's a part of my heart that if, if you're doing if people are doing a group, you know, like if getting five, 10 guys together, um, I, I'm making myself available to, to meet with people. Like it's do a zoom call. If you're getting your guys together, um, during one of the weeks of Lent. So I'd love to do that to connect with groups awesome. that are, that are forming. Um, there's been a lot of great responses from Catholic uh, colleges, and so I'm just going to, I'm going to connect with different Catholic colleges throughout Lent. Um, guys who are um, 10 or 15 guys who are just going through the book. So that's also a possibility. I'd love to connect with people as I can. Praise God. Well, thank you so very much for um, writing it, for taking the time to deliver it to us. And we're going to put this in, um, in the show notes. And we hope a lot of our listeners will, will take advantage of uh, your experience, your knowledge, your wisdom, and, and the gift that you're sharing to us. So, you know, Father, thanks again for uh, joining us today. God, God bless your brother. And can I give you my blessing? Yeah, please do. Yes, please. Yeah, thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you just for my brothers. I thank you for all of our listeners. I just ask you to continue to fill them with the fullness of your Holy spirit and, and just bestow on them the, the gift of their identity as sons of the father. And may this to be the truth about everything for all of us, that we would live from this place in Jesus and with Jesus. And I bless all of you brothers in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Guys, I'm really again, grateful. Father. Yeah. God bless yeah, you. you. Got it. As we like to end every episode. Be a man, be a saint. Thank you.